Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Summer is my absolute favorite time of the year. And if you want to know, like, what do you love about summer? My response is going to be something along the lines of, it's not winter. That's really what it boils down to. It's the opposite of winter. I hate winter, and yes, I know I picked the worst spot to live if that's the case, but I didn't choose this place. This place chose me, and we are here. So we're going to talk about good things like Jesus at the lake because that's been something we've been talking about here at the bridge is just looking at all this time that Jesus spent next to the Sea of Galilee because I know the lake is something a lot of us are thinking about this time of year. And so uh, you will also know about me. Uh, I enjoy fishing, but if it's between that and uh, maybe like water skiing, it's going to be a toss-up depending on the day. I love going fast. I love going slow. But there is one part of the lake that I believe doesn't get enough credit. And that's what I want to kind of begin with this morning because you'll also know about me. I hate waking up early. It is like the, the bane of my existence. If it weren't for my kids right now, I would not be up early. Uh, but I hate it. However, when I'm at the lake, I will actually set my alarm early enough to where I can beat everybody else out of bed because, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but there's something about the serenity of the lake on a beautiful summer morning when nobody else is awake. The, the lake is just completely glass. You kind of have that, that family of loons swimming out in the middle of the lake. It's kind of beginning the day. There's not many boats out. There's not much going on. It's just truly, truly serene. And I can tell you, some of my most reflective and just kind of introspective moments of my life have been with my toes in the water of a completely glass lake as I just kind of bring everything else into alignment. Because when you're busy, when life is chaotic, there's something about that slow pace that just brings everything back into alignment. And so this morning, with that kind of background, with that kind of backdrop, if you will, I want to kind of just paint that picture because where I'm going to pick up today, Jesus kind of has a similar thing going. Likely it's not the early morning. It's, it's probably in the middle of the day. But what he's about to share is one of those kind of reflective, in-your-face moments that kind of just makes you question everything about life itself and everything in its entirety. And so where we pick up is actually in Mark chapter 4. And where this is, is this is just moments before Jesus crawls into the boat with his disciples goes across the Sea of Galilee, and they find themselves in the middle of the storm. We talked about that last week, uh, and it was, a, it was super fun just to kind of dive into that. But what we're picking up today is just moments before that. In Mark chapter 4, I want to pick up in verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. We see here right away that again Jesus was teaching. He was teaching the people who would listen about who he was, what he came here to do, how much he cared about them, what his life mission was. He was always teaching. 
We see him throughout the gospel, throughout the New Testament, healing people, opening the eyes of the blind, bringing dead people back to life, all these amazing miracles. But he also taught. And that was distinct for him because you had some you know, sorcerers or some, some spiritual people that could do crazy things, but Jesus not only healed, but he also taught. And we see here that he's teaching such a big group of people that he has to put himself into a boat and push away from shore while they all stood there and listened on. This, to me here, that this, this is so brilliant because Jesus was dealing with acoustics 2,000 years ago to make sure everybody could hear him. And as someone, as I talked about last week, as someone who is not vertically gifted, um, I get it, right? Because if we had this room full of people packed in here and I stood flat on the ground, I didn't have a microphone, those in the back would have a tough time hearing me because my voice has to go through bodies upon bodies. So Jesus is here. He's teaching his people. And what is he teaching them? Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said this. He's teaching in parables. Now, if you've been around the church before, if you've maybe read the Bible before, you've probably heard this word before and you've probably seen it. But this word parable means quite literally to go alongside. It's a metaphor. Jesus often spoke in metaphors or parables, which are basically like metaphors on steroids. They got lessons inside of them. So I kind of made a parable for you this morning just to illustrate this. You know when you are in elementary school, which for Riley was like 10 years ago, but you know when you're in elementary school and you're playing tag with everybody? And tag's how you say it, right? I married a Southern woman. She says tag, but it's tag, right? Where are my Minnesota people at? Tag. Yeah, yeah. She also says root. It's root. Wow. Hostile crowd. I heard a strong no. We'll get there, don't worry. But when we're playing tag or tag, whichever one you want to say, when you're playing tag and you're running through the playground and you have that little piece of gravel that just playfully finds its way into the bottom of your shoe. And you don't notice it at first because you're in the middle of the game, right? And, but that, that little pebble slowly makes its way into the front of your shoe right underneath your big toe. And it just sits there. And it slowly digs in. And maybe at first you don't notice it, but over time, it just really, really, really bothers you, right? The parable there, you could go a million different directions. That, could, that parable could be an explanation of what it's like when you forget to take out the trash, right? It just sits there and gets worse and worse and worse. I could be super spiritual and say that's what hidden sin is like, right? But my point is Jesus is taking this story, he's taking this metaphor, he's painting this picture of something that everybody who's listening to him could understand. And then he's drawing a principle outside of it. And what's the principle? Verse 3, listen. He jumps into this long parable. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up 
it grew, it produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Makes sense, right? We all know exactly where this is going. Maybe we do. Maybe we've read this story before because we have Jesus' breakdown here. But what's super interesting to me is Jesus is sitting here on the lakeshore. He's got a crowd of people before him. He lays out this parable. And we know as we continue to read this story, not many people got it, right? He shared this story. But even the disciples here in verses 11 and 12 are going, you know, they're, this is after the sermon. It's after everything's done. They're kind of having brunch and just chatting. So, How'd you think I did? How'd it go? And the disciples, more or less, Derek translation, say, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, Jesus is saying, basically, those who are hearing me in verse 11 and 12, they're ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. The disciples didn't necessarily get it right away. And Jesus' response here in verse 13 says, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The disciples were confused. They got the story. But even though Jesus was speaking in a parable, they didn't understand the implication yet. And quite honestly, for me, it's one of those comforting things where I think sometimes God's doing something in our life, but maybe we don't always see it quite yet. We don't always grasp it quite yet. And I find a lot of solace in the fact that the disciples weren't weren't in it yet either. But I want to break this down because I think this parable, even though it was spoken 2,000 years ago to a group on a lake shore in the Middle East, I do think that the very implication, the very principle that Jesus was trying to speak is relevant to you and me right here, right now in 2023 in the land of scorched grass and no hills of Minnesota. There's something here for all of us here today. And as someone who is a very visual learner, I want to kind of break this down in a way that all of us could understand, okay? Because what Jesus does after his little, you know, sentiment to his disciples saying, don't you understand this parable? If you don't get this one, how are you going to get any of the ones that I'm preaching? He then breaks it down so they kind of get it. He's teaching them the ins and the outs of what's going on as they begin to learn this process. So Jesus breaks it down here in verse 14. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. The farmer sows the word. So we start with this parable. You have a farmer casting seed. I know this is going to be really, really interesting, but I actually studied uh, agriculture from 2,000 years ago. Very fascinating. There's no combines. Shocker. But what they did instead is they had basically a big wicker wok, basically, this really big wooden bowl. And they would put all their seed in this big bowl, and they would just walk around and just shake it out. You've got to be ripped when you're in the Middle East in, you know, 30 AD, right? Because you have this big, big basket, and you're scattering seed liberally everywhere around the field. And so in this parable that Jesus is talking about, where you have this field and this seed and this stuff going on, what he's basically saying is the farmer in the story, the one casting the seed, is more or less God. Yes, it's God speaking through pastors, speaking through prophets, speaking through leaders, but the farmer sows the word. John chapter 1 says that God is the word. 
So he is sowing the truth, okay? So basically, let me break this down even simpler. When he's saying, hey, well, I'm going to sow the word, he's basically saying any pastor, any leader, anyone who's following God, who's speaking the truth of the Bible, that is the farmer in this parable. He's casting seed. And the seed is the truth of what the Bible says. The truth is you're enough, that God sees you, God loves you, God is for you. He's behind you in all circumstances. He has something in store for you. The seed is that truth. And as the farmer, God, pastor, leader, whatever it is, he's scattering that seed. It's falling on different soil. Verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. So now we enter the story. The listeners on the Sea of Galilee enter the story. If God is the sower, if the disciples are going to become the sowers, those who are listening are the ones who are receiving the seed. This parable, if you look in your Bible at the top of your chapter, will be called the parable of the sower. But people who are a lot smarter than me, who have been doing this a lot longer, think it's more appropriately should be called the parable of the soils because Jesus is talking more about the soils in the story than the actual sower. So let me break this down again. I'm a visual guy. This is not a sermon about Amazon, although the box fits. Soil number one. Jesus talks about there being a hard path. Now, um, I didn't necessarily feel like going into our neighbor's backyard here because what I love about this church, we literally have a cornfield in our backyard. It's awesome, okay? I don't want to go into his yard and just start taking out a big hunk of his property. I don't think he would like that as much, so I'm improvising, so we'll use our imagination, okay? But we're from Midwest Minnesota. We can picture this. If you have a freshly tilled field ready for soybeans or corn or whatever you are going to plant, and you have a farmer who takes the same path out to his field every single day, what's going to happen? You're going to have two perfectly straight tire tracks through his field, right? And the more he drives on that, the more it's going to become cemented into his field. By the end of the season, you could bounce a bouncy ball on top of that. It'll come right back up to you, even though it's dirt. What Jesus is talking about here is he talks about the path. He's basically saying the soil right there is so tough that any seed that were to fall onto that path is going to be immediately taken away because it's not going to germinate. If that farmer were to go up and just drop some seed on top of that path and water it, nothing's going to happen because the seeds can't penetrate the hard surface and take. Now, let me be the first to say, let me just pause here for a second. I'm not a botanist. As a matter of fact, I have killed a succulent in my life. A succulent. Like, I am convinced, in all honesty, I could kill a fake plant. Because my wife and I tried years ago to kind of be the the domestic homeowner where we're going to be like, let's make our house look great. We're going to water the lawn. We're going to fertilize it. We're going to go to the nice fancy plant stand and buy $40 worth of plants. That gets you like a plant and a half. And then we're like, man, we got to pony up and spend 90 bucks. Cool. Now we got three plants. Great. You know, we bring them home. And before we even left, they're like, We asked them, 
what plants are the hardest ones to kill? Do I have any people that are like me in that capacity? Like, you kill fake plants. See, you're not alone, okay? Let me just say, it's a safe place here. We love you. You're awesome. So here we go. We, we, we bring them home. We're going to say, you know what? Let's do this. It's going to be great. I think they made it a month, and then they were just roots in our, in our plant box that were completely dead, and then three years later, we cleaned them out. It was great. But then, even before that senior year, my wife and I, we were newly married, and we said, you know what? It's time for us to expand our family. We, need, we just need some more responsibility in our life. We want to add something. And so we, we talked about a lot of the different options, being married and stuff. And so we decided, let's get a succulent. Brought it home. Do we name it? I, I don't know if she said. It was my job to keep it alive. So here we are. We kept it alive for like three months. But then as we were moving out, I had a box, and I put Mr. Succulent in the box as we went down the stairs. And then I turned around to check something, and Mr. Succulent fell out of the box and tumbled down the steps, and he went everywhere. Dirt was here. Leaves were there. Neighbors were upset. It was a whole thing. But my point is, as I go through this next little botany lesson, please understand I'm ignorant when it comes to plants, but I'm just going to talk about it like Jesus did, okay? So you have plant or soil number one, which is the hard-packed soil. And Jesus says, just in really practical application, people who receive God's word, people who have this seed put upon their soil, that, hey, that God loves you, God sees you, God is there for you in all circumstances, he wants to be in relationship with you, that truth, that seed, when falling on hard soil, will get taken away immediately by a hard heart. The soil that we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about soil, but you might as well put heart where that soil is because that's what Jesus is talking about. Where is your heart at? Because the hard soil, you could be the best pastor in the whole world, the best preacher, the best communicator. You could know this book backwards, forwards, sideways, and upside down, but if the person who is listening to you has hard soil, it's not going to matter as much. Because Satan is going to take that truth and rob it away from them before it even has a chance to germinate. Hard heart. We're going to talk about what we can do with that later on, but that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, I'm telling you quite literally what's going to happen. I'm telling you what I'm here to do. But some of that seed is going to fall on hard soil. And Satan's going to rob that truth away from you. So number one. Soil number two, the shallow soil. Again, ancient agriculture. Let me paint this picture for you. Israel is hot. It's very hot. Hotter than even Minnesota has right now. And it looks very similar right now than what Israel looks like because everything is dead and hot and scorched right now here in Minnesota. But when you plant in ancient Israel, you have sand and desert everywhere. So there are parts of the soil that are shallow because the the sand and the rock and the stuff on the outskirts of the field blows into the field. So what you get is you get a bottom layer of soil and a top layer of gravel and rock. So what happens is this farmer scatters the seed. And what happens is the seed takes really quickly because it doesn't have super far to go. 
but because it has no roots, as Jesus talked about, it withers right away. Hear his translation on this story. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places or shallow soil, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Can I give you the 2023 version of this? Shallow soil. You come to church, and it's a great message. You feel God here. Worship was awesome. You just felt something moving inside of you, and you're going, oh, man. Like, there's something tangible here. Like, I, 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 maybe I've, I was doubting God, but maybe I'm starting to question a little bit more. Maybe it's like I'm new to this whole God thing, but this just feels different. I feel like God's moving. I feel like this is great. I feel great. There's just something different about this place. And you feel it in here. But then you walk out the door, and life is right back in your face. The problems, the struggles, the tribulations. And when you read this book, when you read the Bible, when you start to follow God, when you take that feeling you had and say, you know what, I want to do something about this, and you step out into the world, and it gets difficult. As Jesus says, what happens is because there's no root, they last only a short time. When God begins to say, hey, I'm moving in your heart, but I want you to go and do something with your faith. And I want you to go and restore that relationship. I want you to ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness. And you're going, uh-uh, uh-uh. It felt good when I was at church, but now I just can't do that. I can't. We have this understanding of who God is, but because there's no root, it lasts only a short time. It comes down to a feeling. It's less truth and more of just an experience. I got to get to church just so I can have the experience. Not that that's a bad thing, but God's saying, I want more of a root with that. Soil number two. Everyone doing okay on my botany lesson here? We all tracking? Okay, perfect. No one's throwing at me anything at me yet, so we're good there. Soil number three. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Isn't that powerful language? Choke the word. Right? The problem with soil number three is this is the weedy soil. It is so fertile, so great, that everything grows, including weeds. You should have seen our front lawn three three weeks ago. The whole thing was green of weeds and dandelions. And the kids loved to continue to spread the seed everywhere. It was awesome, right? The problem for all those who know weeds better than I do or know plants better than I do, the problem is with weeds is they grow faster than the roots of your plants. So when the soil is too fertile, you get everything. You get weeds, you get plants, you get everything you don't want, and some things you do, and it all grows together. But when the weeds grow faster than the roots, it chokes out the roots. In Jesus' context, what he's saying, 
for some people, their soil was so fertile that they had all kinds of other things growing along with their faith. The worries of life. How am I going to provide? I can't, I can't go to the synagogue today. I got to fish. I got to get stuff done for the day. The deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. I got to make sure this is taken care of. I got to do that. Oh, what's that new philosophy? Oh, what's that new idea? I might try, like, I'll sprinkle some Jesus in with this. I'll kind of do a little bit of that. We'll kind of have this nice, nice little mixed bag and everything grows. But the problem here, the thorns will choke out the seed. That word thorns in the Greek is the same word used for the thorns on Jesus' head when he's crucified. The Hebrew word of that word thorns is the same Hebrew word used in Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis 3 or 4, where God is saying, hey, because of your sin, you'll now have thorns on the land that are going to make it more difficult to cultivate the land. Translation for all of us here in 2022. There are going to be things in our life, challenges as legitimate as they are, addictions, stresses, finances, health issues, worries, that are going to do everything in their power to try and choke out the truth that God sees you and that God is bigger than everything. He's not saying that if you have worries that you're not going to experience growth. What he's saying is if your soil allows those worries to grow and it allows those other things to grow and those other priorities to put everything else in front of him, those things are going to grow. And what's going to happen is it's going to choke out the truth of the word. And I want to end with this, and I'm going to get really real. Others, like seed down on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. And the last soil, from our magical Amazon box. Good soil. Got a good depth. It's not too fertile. Good soil. Produces a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times when I was in Bible college, I didn't always think that my sermon prep would take me to a botanist website, but that's where I found myself for a little bit this week. Because I wanted to study roots. Because roots, obviously I'm familiar with, and anyone with an elementary education understands kind of how plants work and the roots and everything else, but I learned something about roots this week that kind of made this parable look a whole lot different. Roots have a lot of different purposes to the plant. We understand that they take the nutrients from the soil and they bring it up to the plant and give it everything it needs to do to grow. We kind of get that. But a good root system is one that is both deep and wide. So what happens is it anchors that plant into the ground. So no matter what happens above the surface, wind, rain, heat, whatever it is, With the good roots, it's anchored into the ground, so no matter how much is happening above the surface, it's going to stay anchored there. 
What I also learned is a good root system will actually secrete certain compounds where everything else in the soil that is a parasite that will take away from the plant dies. A good root system will have a protective barrier around itself to keep away from things that could try to kill the plant. And then a line that they said on this website that I was like, oh my gosh, that is too perfect. Is they said, the size of the plant above the surface is determined by how big the root system is below. A big plant has a big root system and vice versa. Everybody, this was a sermon that was delivered 2,000 years ago by one of the most amazing people to ever walk the planet. A man that gave his life for you and I so that no matter what sin happened, no matter what mistakes we made, we could have a fresh start. Because it doesn't matter how long you're at this thing, you're going to understand that you're going to make mistakes in life. Even knowing Jesus, even knowing what he's done for you, even knowing it, you still make mistakes. Everybody does. It's universal. And even though this message was delivered 2,000 years ago, it's a message that's relevant to you and I today because the message and the heart of it is the same. In verse 3, Jesus says, listen. That's how he begins the parable. Listen. Guess what? They were already listening. They were already listening. We do this with our kids all the time. When we know they're listening but not really, we say, hey, Listen to me. Listen. There's a caution there. And what Jesus is saying is listen. You have four different types of soil. It's up to you which one you want. As I pray through this message, It's one of those things where I know some things in some circumstances, some people have different kinds of soil at different seasons of life. Some people have had some really tough things done to them, some really difficult, awful things done to them, and it's caused them to have a hard heart. And that's not necessarily their own fault. And it's not like you can just flip the switch and it's over. But here's what I did know is the farmer, a good farmer, is going to cast the seed. He's going to water the seed. He's going to make sure it's getting its proper fulfillment. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I watered Apollo's water. He talks about all these different things as sowers. They watered the seed. But guess what our responsibility is? The heart. Make sure our soil is in check. Here's my promise to you as your pastor at the Bridge Church. Because quite honestly, It's up to us to have the right heart and the right soil. Here at the bridge, here's what I promise. Those who walk into our midst with hard soil and hard hearts, they belong here and they're welcome here. Doesn't matter if they're questioning, doesn't matter if they're doubting, it doesn't matter what has been through their life. I want them to walk through these doors and experience the love and joy that Jesus offers them even in a hard heart, especially in a hard heart. We will be a church that loves those who go through difficult things and have hard hearts. That's a guarantee here at the bridge. Here's also a guarantee. Sometimes good roots are tough to come by. 
Sometimes you come into this place and you feel God and you experience God and it's real. And it doesn't make it any less real when you walk out and it feels like that, that soil is shallow. But the thing is, is if we don't have roots, we are going to shrivel. If we don't have a good foundation below the surface, we're going to struggle. So here at the church, here at the bridge, I want to make sure we have plenty of places for you to dig roots. We don't just put on a bunch of these things because we're bored. We want to do it because we want you to have a place where you fit in and you belong and you can have roots that go down into the ground. Number three, fertile soil. Life is crazy, isn't it? Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have anything to worry about? You're talking to a compulsive warrior. So that whole thing of choking out the word, I know God loves me. I know God's going to come through. I've seen it more times than I can count. But when your AC unit goes out, and you wake up the next morning and you have no water pressure and you're going, I don't have enough money to even pay for one of them. It's scary, right? It's scary. It's scary when you're staring down the barrel of a biopsy that you're waiting to hear back of. It's scary when you get a call from your sister saying, hey, mom's not doing well. The disease is really taking over. You better get the kids here so we can take care of it. It's scary when you're going, I might have to lose this relationship, but I know it's the best thing for me. I know it's scary. And they can feel like it's choking out the truth of what God says about you. But he's there. And no matter how big, or scary. He's there. But the church, as a community, let us be a place where even though worries and stress comes this way, guess what? We have people locking arms saying, you're not in this alone. I'm going to continue to tell you the truth of that God's got you. I'm going to sit here and pray with you. I'm going to sit at your kitchen table and just listen and talk it through with you and just be there for you because at that moment, we're not going to let the thorns choke out the word. And then lastly, fertile soil. I want us to be a church that constantly walks into this place ready for God to stir something new. God's always moving. And the seed that is sown can produce itself 30, 60, 100 times over. You might have known God for 40 years, but I promise you, if you look, if you come expecting it, God's going to move in your life every single time you step into an opportunity to, to serve him and seek him and worship him. Don't stop worshiping him. Don't stop expecting him to move because here's the thing. We are a church that is going to reproduce itself. I want to go into our community and show people there's a different way to life than the one that they're struggling through. I want to be a blessing in our place. I want to be a blessing and speak truth and speak the gospel in this city, in this state, in this country, around the world. I want us to be a place that we hear from God. We have that seed sown in our heart and we can't help but reproduce it and share that same truth, that same hope, that same joy with those in our midst. That's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do. Hey, you know who I am. You know what I've done. You know what I can do. 
go show other people the same thing. This is not about building a church or building a brand. This is about reproducing the fruit and the seed that God's put inside of us. Because that's what he's telling his disciples 2,000 years ago. And that's what he's telling us right here and right now. So next Sunday, I'm going to talk about this a whole lot more as we finish up this series. But before you go, here's my challenge to you. Whenever they are planting nowadays with all of our new technology, they can sample the soil to make sure it's got the right acidity level, it's got the right moisture, it's got everything that we need to do. My challenge to you this morning is where's your soil at? Are you feeling like my heart is just calloused over because of something that's been difficult? Because if it is, that's all right. Here's the thing about God. If you pray and seek him, he can break up even the hardest heart. Just ask the Apostle Paul. Hard soil is not forever. Prayer and seeking can have that broken up. Do you feel like there's no root? in your life. Talk to me. I want to get to a root. Are the worries of life, are the other things in your life just poking out the word? There's a lot of truth in here. Pure truth. And as we continue to seek God, I want us to dig into this Bible. And if you don't know how to do it or if you're unsure, come talk to me. Come talk to our staff because the more we get into this, the better the soil. Or are you in good soil? Who can you share that with this morning? I am so thankful for who this place is and for every single person in this room. I don't know where you're at today, but if I could just encourage you with this. I don't believe this parable was meant to be something that was condemning by Jesus. I believe it was meant to be a challenge. The disciples who are casting seed might fall on hard soil, but keep casting. But also to those with certain soils saying, hey, if you just listen and follow me, I can turn any one of these into good, fertile soil. I don't know where you're at today. I really don't. But as I prayed through this, as I prayed through this message, I believe that God wants to speak to you. And I believe he's already speaking to you. We just have to listen and lend our hearts what he wants. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who sees us, who understands us, who speaks to us, Lord. We might be in a season where we just feel like we can't feel anything because our heart is hard and Life's been hard. But I pray that today, God, that you would speak, that you would soften hearts, and you would show that you're real and evident. Lord, for those who are maybe feeling like they're in shallow soil and they just want to dig deep, I just pray, God, that they would find a place in Calhoun and grow. God, for all the other worries, all the other things, all the other sins that try and choke out what you want to do, I just pray that today, God, you give us a fresh start. While you die, Lord, 
to give us an opportunity to come back to you and to experience you in a whole new way. So Jesus, today, wherever we're at, I just pray and I ask that you would do a new work. And as we step out of this place, we want to just stop expecting you to move, but God, you would speak to us on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, that you would show us things that we can do to take the seed, to take the truth you've sown inside of us and reproduce it 30 times over, 60 times over, 100 times over as we continue to make an impact in this world. Lord, may we be sensitive to what you're calling us to do today and may we follow it boldly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we celebrate this morning? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.